Hello, celebrity gossip enthusiasts. I'm Travis Curran. You're listening to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. Well, in this world of royal rough and tumbles, I am joined by my two guest hosts who have never given up a good title. Celebrity beauty and fashion savant, Gwen Flamberg. Well, hello. And Hallmark movie and Spike Seltzer savant, Sarah Huron. Wow, I'm updating my resume. Thank you. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I thought it already said that. Well, today we are going to be talking about a royal who considers herself to be the Little Mermaid, a beefy ginger prince at war with his family. Who could that be, though? A prim and proper duchess who's caught in the crossfire, a reality star who posts their bank info, and an A-list couple who's making divorce look easy. But before we dive into the news and the royal splash that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex made, pour yourself a mermosa and wish upon a starfish, and let's make some celebrity intentions. Gwen Flamberg, who is your intention for this week? My intention this week is for Bam Margera. I mean, you guys, did you see on usmagazine.com slash stylish that Bam got a staph infection from a ginormous leg tattoo? Pretty gnarly. He had to be hospitalized. So Bam, don't be a jackass. Stop with those giant tattoos. Give yourself a break and make sure that when you get your tattoo, it is being properly sanitized in placement and in aftercare. Oh, God, that is raunchy and reminds me of Jackass. The infection would totally be up their gag to, like, pop it and do tons of gross stuff with it. Disgusting. Um, Sarah, here on, who is your intention for this week? So we're approaching the finale of The Bachelor. It's been the longest season (laughs) in the entire world. And there are rumors flying about what went down at the After the Final Rose taping. None of it's been confirmed. But there is some speculation that there's going to be not one but two Bachelorettes named not to compete against each other, but to both film seasons in the coming months, in addition to Bachelor in Paradise. And then, of course, by this time next year, we'll have a new Bachelor. That's a lot of Bachelor content. Um, And as someone whose life's duty it is to watch it all, I'm, I'm down. But I just need the Bachelor producers, editors, every contestants to come to study this season and realize what went wrong including the drama that was too much emphasis and mostly the timeline. Like I'm just upset with the fact that they have to film in all in one location again. And I understand that they have to, apparently they're going to film in New Mexico, which whatever, but it it really messes with the way they format the show. And it's giving them too much emphasis on certain drama versus like cutting it off because we're changing locations and have to move forward. So I would like everyone to study really hard over the next couple of weeks before we start filming the new season of the bachelorette and deliver me good content. And that's all I'm asking. All of I would also say they go back and delete all of their old tweets. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone who is potentially being cast on the next season of The Bachelorette, please do a deep dive into your social media, reflect, and, and you know, maybe withdraw yourself from finding love if you have, in fact, used racial slurs on the internet. Just, just think about it. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, my intention this week is for uh, a singer of our generation, Gia Judice. She <laughs> has finally made it big on TikTok. I don't know if you guys have seen the sound that they're like using, that. but she wrote a song for her mother, Teresa Judice, to, you know, make it okay with Melissa Gorga and Teresa's brother, Joe Gorga. Uh, and Gia has a song where she's crying, saying how she woke up in the morning. I'm feeling so many things. I just want it to get better. 
Yeah, it has no melody. It's nothing. It's ridiculous. But so many people are using it on TikTok to uh, show their embarrassing moments throughout the years. And I want a remix from Gia. I want a 2021 dance remix of that song. It's, it would just make me so happy. Gia, give us that greatest hits compilation. Yeah, to clarify for anyone, this is from like 10 years ago. That's going viral oh. now. And yeah. remember when Gia had a girl band? Like, let's get the girl band back together. Let's remix oh, yeah. this song. Get Melania to do a rap in the remix, oh, like yeah. this is G- this is writing itself. Yes, Jude, I it think, is. Call me. Call. We have ideas for you. All right. Well, let's get into the news. She started a fire, and she's going to watch the monarchy. What's that word again? Burn. This week, <laughs> Meghan and Harry have turned the royal family upside down thrown them across the pond to Canada, and then washed up on the shores of Santa Monica. This week, after Harry and Meghan's CBS interview, the palace waited a little while, but have finally responded to their claims. Gwen, why don't you read us what the Crown said about the CBS interview? The following statement was issued by Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. So, you know, it only took like two days for the palace to issue a statement, but they did. They did. Um, Sarah Huron, what did you think when you first saw the statement, other than the obvious shade of while well, recollections may be different? Yeah, I mean, well, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's pretty classy, like a quick little, you know, we're going to address this privately. As the interview was airing, I mean, I have so many thoughts, feelings, mixed feelings, concerns, questions, more questions than answers. Um, I've been conflicted this whole time because, like, I want the gossip and I want the tea, but also the whole thing just made me really sad for Megan, for Harry, for everyone involved. But the statement specifically, I mean, at first I was like, oh, okay. I was kind of surprised they even acknowledged. Honestly, I was kind of expecting them not to say anything, which is crazy, but it, I don't know why. That's kind of what my instinct went to. And then after the day went by and they didn't say anything, I really thought that. Um, but the may the recollections may vary reminded me of like a housewives. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if you felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was, it was, it was definitely there for a reason. But I think that if one thing I definitely learned during this whole interview is that Megan and Harry have a good relationship with the queen of all people. I, I think that that was a line that they just weren't willing to cross. You know, they can burn the whole thing down, but don't touch the queen because the queen is the queen. And now here's the thing, you guys, because you've heard me and my opinions about this subject for quite a long time. And I do have to say that the interview swayed me a little bit. Mm -hmm, And I am feeling a lot more empathy and compassion for Megan and everything that they experienced. Now, that said, I do have to say that, like, it also made me realize that I don't think anybody should take any side here because I don't think that anybody wins. Nobody wins here except for the network that aired the interview because they got all that advertising. You know, it's kind of like when you air these grievances, it's kind of like everybody just kind of looks sad and bad. 
And it's obvious that they experienced a lot of pain. And so I feel terrible about that. The things that I found really um, concerning, though, were like from everything that I've read in terms of the line of succession, there's kind of like not a lot of question about what Archie's title would or wouldn't have been at his birth. So I don't really understand why that was sort of made an issue, considering that Harry and Meghan know this, um, you know, opening the world's eyes to racism in the in the royal family. Yes, Meghan can accomplish that. She can't accomplish the change of of like altering the line of succession. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, a, I a monarch system that's been around for a thousand years. And then the other thing was like, you know. And I was right along with everybody else when Harry said, like, well, my family cut me off. I was like, oh, my God, it was like such a bomb dropped. But then, you know, you realize it and it's kind of like their job was on behalf of the British taxpayer. So, like, if you choose to leave your job, yeah, you're going to lose the salary. And they had so, Princess Diana's money, which has kind of been coming out. Like there was not, and Megan well, had some sort of money. Well, like, they I have, don't know. You know but Harry, on the street and Tyler Perry needing to take them in was a little uh, much for me to buy. I'll say that. Right, right. I mean, you know, listen, it's like if you move to a new country, you want a friend to kind of show you the rope. Yeah. So like, I understand that. And all that is, is accurate. But yes, they have Harry's money from Princess Diana, which is 30 million pounds. Is it, Trav? I mean, it's. Quite a, quite a, quite it's a. It's like above twenty, but below fifty, according to reports. I, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it was thirty million pounds when she passed away. So you know, at that time, the pound it's like two to one to the dollar. Yeah, it was like so yeah. Quite a, quite a bit of, quite a bit of cashish. And let's not forget, you guys, that Megan's a millionaire in her own right. You know, I mean, she doesn't have as much money as Harry, but she definitely banked a, a few mil in her you know, work as an actress and as an influencer, even like, you know, she's, she was, she was a self-sufficient woman. So, you know, it's not like they had to go live on Skid Row, like Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise's kids when they got cut off, you know, like, I, I, I don't know, like that part was sort of like, it felt a little bit to me, like they were playing the victim. Um, and I don't really understand to what effect, yeah. but the part that I thought was the most wild were the allegations, the like, you know, the whole Kate made Megan cry, you know, that it wasn't that Megan made Kate cry. It was that Kate actually made Megan cry. And, you know, I was kind of like, oh my God, I wish I'd been in the room. I wish I knew what happened. But then it also came off a little bit like, I know you are, but what am I? You know, like it just. I went through so many petty. ups and downs during this yeah. whole thing. And that was an example Same. of one where at first I was like, okay, why did she just say that? Like, she shouldn't be throwing the Kate under the bus. Like, I don't think that's a good look. But then, you know, she was explaining, it's an example of the way that the narrative was taken so out of control. So when they got into the nitty gritty yes. specifics, mm -hmm. even though I wanted to know all the specifics and I still want to know them, it made it, it started making it like a, he said, she said, which right. um, which wasn't which wasn't good for the, her actual point, but it was mm -hmm. interesting because the overall message of Megan was miserable and lonely and got her what she thought was going to happen to her and them protecting her didn't happen. And I totally believe that. I think that she went into this with good intentions. They had a plan. They thought they were going to be able to change things, make it modern, make a difference. She was like, use right. me. I'm a good bridge. And then the palace didn't meet them halfway with anything. I totally believe right. all of that. When she was talking about the suicidal thoughts, like that was heartbreaking and thinking about her being pregnant at the same time and the photos. Oh, of horrendous. Her, horrendous. Absolutely all horrendous. of it horrible. But then the certain specifics also confused me. Like the thing about the prince thing, 
Like he was never going to be a prince. That was we reported that years ago that when it wouldn't be until right. Charles became king, things right. were changed because they're living longer in the royal family. So the queen had to change it for <laughs> William's kids because he's a direct line like that. Call it what it is. The, the queen was not supposed to still be alive when <sighs> William gave birth when William's wife gave birth to the next person. Like that's why they changed it. Like that's what happened. And the security thing. It's the same thing. Like, I think they could have met them halfway with that, too, though, because I totally agree that they weren't going to take the job. They they lose certain aspects of it. But they also have to understand that they the royal family partly created this Prince Harry, Meghan Markle that are so public and they should want to protect them because if they're going to whether they're going to be official public figures or just, you know, side characters to the family, they're the most famous people in the family and they should want them to be protected, which is what Megan, I think, was trying to say. It got lost a little bit with the whole she's not going to be a prince thing, because I think what she should have made it more like, no, regardless of title, we should have been able to find a way to help each other and protect each other, because I think that's right. true, but it doesn't well, make sense because he was right. never going to be a prince. What I had a hard time understanding was what is she saying by protection? Because I fully, fully stood behind her saying that they should have protected me from the press, mm -hmm. you know, protected the narrative, right? Like kept the truth and protected her from the tabloids trashing her. But this whole like protection, like also... British protection officers cannot work in the U.S. unless it's for like a state visit or something. It's not like they don't have money to hire their own security. Like that was what I just didn't understand. Like what is does she mean by protect? Because, yes, they should have protected her from the tabloids trashing her. But it came across like they were saying that they should have paid for their security detail like I, I just didn't I just couldn't understand I think all of that stemmed from how terribly they were treated in the palace how they were like gross go screw yourselves go screw your concerns we don't care go fight it out like we did we all live these horrible lives that are bound to duty and that's what you should too please please go suffer in silence and that because right. they were escaping that and then combative with the crown that they cut them off like an employer, they really did feel like tossed aside with nowhere to live mm -hmm. during a pandemic without yeah. security. So I know that they're still millionaires and famous people, but in terms of lifestyle, they sort of were completely cast aside and like thrown away by the crown in every way, even when the announcement of them leaving, the timing of that. Right, right. I mean, it was just a battle in that house at all times. And I think the crown's best chance at transformation really was Meghan Markle. Totally. And they, but they don't want to transform. They don't want, <laughs> they, they didn't want to transform. Yeah. That's what we learned. That it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so deeply rooted in like this tradition that isn't relevant anymore. And I, you know, she could have done so much good yeah. for the monarchy in general. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of resentment um, on both sides of what I thought was the wildest part of the whole interview was that I never knew that the palace was so deeply in cahoots with the tabloid press that oh. they host their Christmas parties. I know that was like, I feel like that was like a moment that didn't get a lot of attention because like the way the British media is reacting to this and the U S media has also been very different, which is fascinating in its own right. And has yeah. been different the whole time. Like we've all been treating Megan, in my opinion, a lot more fairly than the British media oh, in yeah. general. Which, I mean, they kept saying British during the interview. But yeah, I mean, it's, but it makes sense though when you really think about it because the, the royal family doesn't technically have any like control. And without press, 
they're irrelevant they're nothing, the same way yeah. other famous people are so it but makes sense they need to be you're nobody unless you're talked about that's what they taught me on gossip girl but the interesting <laughs> the interesting thing is that like you know they have started twitters they have started instagram so they're a little late to the game but like they could be they can control their own narrative it's like they really haven't made moves to do it you know they really need to modernize in 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 that way and it's it's thoroughly so if interesting. anything, it gets you more pressed to fire back. But then I guess that they'd be saying like they're gonna like make all the tabloids that write about them not want to write about them. I find that hard to believe. The whole thing was just it's like everything Megan said. Mm. I had seventy five follow up questions for, and some of right. them were very specific and nitty gritty and petty, and others were like actual like wait, I'm confused about the facts. But overall, I mean, I definitely like her more than not that it matters if I like her, but like I respect her more and I I, agree. I felt bad about some of the things I've said and the harsh judgments I made. But then she made the little mermaid comment and I was like, all right, I'm over you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the cutest thing, the little mermaid comment stuck out to me and I will not stop bringing it up during this podcast and in my life for as long <laughs> as I shall live. Right. But I thought the cutest thing was when she was talking about the little mermaid and they were in the chicken coop back there yeah. and it was called it was like a little hotel and it was called Archie's Chick Inn. I mean, so that was cute. adorable. But you're right. I wonder I how think much that cost. I <laughs> was really, <laughs> I was really excited to see Gwen your reaction because I feel like so many people were in your position where they saw Megan as one thing, and then after this interview, they were like, "Oh damn, you really did go through it," and we, you know, were quick to judge because of the narrative that was put out there yeah. by the palace. Pretty much, they controlled this narrative, and especially Megan someone who was so you know into the press before she got to harry right. and then conscious of her public image still more than a lot of other celebrities it was a real punch to the gut for her just living in there and not being supported by the family well i also just kind of couldn't get over i just i never wrapped my head around like she couldn't leave like why couldn't she just go meet her friend for lunch somewhere with a PPO. Like, I, I just... I think because she was saying they were telling her she's going to make everything worse if she goes out. Like, it sounds like the aides who were working with them, and they kind of made this clear, too. Like, the family is one thing, and the firm is another thing. And, like, I need to know everyone in the firm. Like, get me the receipts of the right. firm. Which also yes. her friend who went on Good Morning Britain or whatever totally. the next day hinted that there's a lot of receipts. So I wouldn't be shocked if, like, things start to leak oh, out. Sure. Um, but I We think will do our best. Met, yeah, exactly. I will hack. No, um, that, that's a joke for legal purposes. Um, I think that she was just saying they were telling her everything she was doing was making it worse. Like even when they first started dating, I remember there were reports that they were like mad. She was wearing like the H necklace because she was fueling the fire. But like in her mind, she was just living her life. And the way Meghan Markle wanted to live her life and the way the palace wants royal people to live their life were never going to align. And in, in addition to right. not even trying to meet each other halfway, the palace, it sounds like, really may put her down for even suggesting something and to the point where she retreated and it just it just didn't have to be like this i really feel like it should what? not like they're just so stuck in their ways and i, I understand love, tradition but it it's too much i always loved the pictures of her with like a white button down and mm -hmm. yoga pants with carrying her yoga mat and her flowers from waitrose in the other hand like i loved that kind of like down to earth, Meghan Markle. And it is, they, they stole that from us. They yeah. just stole it right from under, out from under us. Yeah. And I, one thing I learned also, or didn't learn, but it was like re, re put into me is Harry and Meghan are freaking very in love. I mean, they, they are. were like, 
they were super kind speaking about each other. When he was talking, she was looking at him lovingly. He was supporting her when she was making some very, you know, intense accusations about his family. And he definitely didn't take them back, but he was a little bit more like, I don't feel comfortable talking about that. But they said he was watching and it's not like he interrupted her. He supported her and they chose each other and they took this risk for each other. And like, I believe that they are very in love. That's one thing I, I learned. Did that, did that not like, I mean, I almost like, I might've even teared up a little bit when he said how, you know, at least they have each other and how his mother suffered through this alone. I was kind of like, oh, punch yeah. the gut, tear in my eye. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really heavy. I mean, first, here, here, here are a couple things that like were completely confirmed for me. First of all, she is breathtakingly, exquisitely, naturally beautiful. She yeah, is, great face. Great she's face. She's a beautiful creature. I mean, yeah. And yes, they are really, truly, um, you know, they have the kinds of like partnered kind of partnered relationship that like everybody should aspire to where they do deeply respect each other. And that's the most important thing. Uh, article in the Sun today saying that the Queen is quizzing royal members on who was the one who had the comment on Archie's skin color. The Sun is Gotta reporting. I I mean she well so the Queen instructed staffers not to talk about the interview, not to say anything to anyone. She plans to call Harry in the Meghan days, and I agree with Sarah that I believe it is absolutely Charles. Has to be. Has it wouldn't be. surprise me. Did it you see the video of William this morning? Yes. Yes. He was at a royal yes. engagement with Kate and a reporter like screamed, yelled out, like, is the royal family racist? And he responded, we are very much not a racist family. And then they were like, have you spoken to Harry? And he was like, I have not, but I plan to. Yeah, it you know, seems like they're the going to reach out. I'm sure they will at some point. But, you know, it's kind of like it's common knowledge that, you know, this is not a surprise. Like, it's common knowledge that for eons, the royal family is racist. They are anti-Semitic. Like, this is just part of what people know to be so about the royal family. Now, the modern royals, and Kate and William amongst them, have done quite a bit of charity work across the board to show Absolutely. that they really believe in equality. And, you know, I, I feel like this will, you know, Meghan will ultimately get what she wanted, which was to shift to the future of the monarchy um mm -hmm. but you know i from afar because i can't see a complete you know buddy buddying up yeah ever again not for well, them i think they're gonna live their lives in california and be real happy they definitely are and we've heard from sources that you know kate middleton is not going to be the sea witch in this story and <laughs> how she may plan to respond we heard from a source that william and kate were totally shocked after hearing about what megan harry said in the interview they knew some of their problems with the palace aides but nothing to this extent the source says that kate is caught between a rock and a hard place and she wants to speak up and help the crown rebuild their image but she is not one for confrontation or escalation kate will eventually speak out for some of the bombshells dropped by Megan, especially the crying incident, um, because Kate remembers the story very differently and doesn't feel Megan was telling the whole truth. Kate feels that there was a misunderstanding, but we're trying to figure out the flower girl dresses. It should not have been a huge point of contention. So I think that Kate was one of the, she 
Megan was clearly likes Kate. She was sort of nice to her, but she was still one of the only people she called out by name in the interview. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Harry briefly mentioned William that they're not speaking. They mentioned Charles a little bit, but Kate was sort of the only person who was called out by name. And I think that's really hard for her because it really does seem like, you know, these two women were friends when they first went in. They didn't have that much in common, but now it seems like a sort of a petty back and forth. And I feel for Kate, because this is a tough thing. And like, do you respond and say anything? Do you hope it goes away? Yeah, that's hard. I also think it's, it's, I mean, the irony of like this morning, Will and Kate were at like a mental health initiative at a school. And then people are saying like, you know, Megan, allegedly went to palace aides and and officials and people in the family and said, you know, I need help. And they turned her away. So it's just very confusing as like what, like what people, what they stand for, what it's, you know, what's for show, what's not for show and what everyone really knew. And like I said, getting into the nitty gritty makes it complicated because then we're getting into, he said, she said versus the overall message. So the specific flower girl story, while it was juicy and I want to know everything, it almost took away from the point because it was getting too specific and too like catty. Yes, it did. And we heard from a source about William's response that he is, quote, much more upset about the interview than Kate. He is fuming because of the allegations against his family, including Kate. William is bound by duty, but he does not feel trapped. That is a label that Harry had unfairly given him. And William and Harry are currently not speaking. Earlier this year, there was communication between the brothers, but that has since stopped because of all of the bad blood. William does not support Harry giving up on the family and running away and absolutely does not support him speaking out against the crown. Again, a source told to us. And I think that other than the HR members of Buckingham Palace, that the brothers, William and Harry, are going to have the hardest time reconciling after this interview. Because HR has been called. Karen from Buckingham Palace HR is on her way to talk about these serious allegations. Another person unfairly threw himself into this mix. If you think that only one person appears to be the silenced victim of racist bullying, think again. From Good Morning Britain, it's good night for self-aggrandizing Piers Morgan, who is finally able to beat the BBC breakfast in the ratings by leaving Good Morning Britain. Yes, so we heard uh, Us Weekly could confirm that Meghan made a formal complaint at ITV relating to Piers' comments on her mental health. Following discussions with IDTV, Piers Morgan has decided it's time to leave Good Morning Britain. And on Monday, uh, because on Monday, Piers questioned whether Meghan had been truthful about having her suicidal thoughts. And ITV has launched an investigation into its harm and offense rules. Sarah, I don't want to give him like too much airtime because he's such just an ass. But what were your thoughts on the Piers reaction to this? I mean, I expected him to be uh, harsh and to not, you know, side with Megan, but I think he totally went too far. I think he's gross. And I think this all comes back from him being upset that Meghan Markle ghosted him after they got drinks. (laughs) And he's been trying to get like his revenge, claiming that Meghan was like this fame hungry person because they hung out. And it is like, you know, a little bizarre that she used to hang out with Piers Morgan, but clearly she saw the error of her ways and distanced herself. And now he's just bitter and I mean, I think it's pretty lame that he that's one of the things he tried to like the his hill to die on was the stuff she said about our mental health, because that's no one's place to judge. 
or question? No, it is not. And like a pregnant suicide is like maybe the craziest, saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And Horrendous. she really should be believed. But, you know, Hollywood is backing behind Megan and Harry. Thank God, because they're living in the area. Gwen, can you share with us some of the highlights of the celebrities who have come to Megan's defense? Her friends, like Serena Williams posted, and of course, you know, Jessica, what's her name? She Mulroney. came out with the work. Jessica Mulroney, that's right. But, you know, even Beyonce had some words of support. She shared a message for Megan after the difficult revelations of the CBS tell-all. She said, thank you, Megan for your courage and leadership. We are all strengthened and inspired by you. Beyonce wrote in a post on her website on March 9th. But you know, it's like, if Beyonce has got your back, everybody else can just go home. However, Hugh Jackman shared a courageous note. And of course, Janina Gavonker, who is a really close friend of Megan's, was at the royal wedding. And of course, Serena Williams, who's the BFF. I don't know. You know, it was very interesting to me that like, everybody wrote the... <laughs> these like support, which was like, was there kind of like a guide sheet that went out to friends of Megan to express their concern? <laughs> Even Hillary Clinton wrote, it was heartbreaking to see the two of them sitting there having to describe how difficult it was to be accepted, to be integrated, Clinton said in a Washington Post live event. I mean, it's just kind of like crazy. It kind is. Crazy. It yeah. is. Well, yeah. I'm glad she, she definitely brought Hollywood, the whole country, probably a lot of the people in the UK on her side. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it more next week. Let's move on to, we're going to talk about Naya Rivera. Uh, Naya Rivera's dad in particular. So Ryan Murphy is hitting back against claims that he didn't live up to promises he made by supporting Naya Rivera's family following the star's tragic death. Naya's father, George Rivera, posted several tweets on Tuesday suggesting that Murphy Murphy did not reach out to the family and has not followed up his commitment to providing a college fund for Naya's son, Josie. Responding to a fan's tweet from July about Murphy's joint statement with the fellow Glee creators, Vlad Falujak and Ian Brennan on Naya's death, George wrote, everybody needs to know what Ryan Murphy did or didn't do, explanation points. I'm about to blow up this story and make sure he knows that I know. He continued and said, when you are part of the Hollywood elite, some people treat you as they are less than. Vocalize a good game, but it's shallow as the sets on stage that they create. Promises made in public only to fade with time and excuses, even an unexplainable tragedy. Ryan responded, myself, Brad, and Ian have committed to create a college fund for Naya Rivera's child, Josie, through the Naya Rivera Estate Trust. We have been in repeated conversations with the appropriate executors of her estate. Sort of strange. Sarah Huron, what is really going on here? Well, Ryan Murphy responded and obviously is saying that we're going to make it happen. Um, I think it's probably you know, a mix of Ryan Murphy of Naya Rivera's dad is still grieving and, you know, he snapped and I'm sure there's truth to some of the stuff he's saying. I mean, Hollywood, it's not the first time they've been accused of doing things as performative won't be the last. Um, but I hope that, you know, there's that the Glee creators are really just, you know, the kid is very little. So maybe they're just taking their sweet time to set up this college fund. Um, cause I think the last thing they, Naya Rivera's family, friends, and inner circle need to do is turn on each other, especially publicly. But I'm sure he's just, you know, he's going through it. He had a moment. It happens. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I really hope that that is not true, that Ryan didn't set up a fund or anything. Hopefully, Naya's dad just doesn't know where it is, and it is somewhere, because that would be horrible. Sarah, why don't you tell us why Jen Garner might be gone, girl, but things are happier than they ever have been. Tell us why Jen and Ben are, you know, divorce couple goals right now. Oh, I mean, they have Oh, they really are the best. I miss them so much. But basically, a few too. years a few years ago, Jennifer Gardner, Queen, gave an interview to Vanity Fair and was talking about her divorce and how you know, she was so upset and disappointed in herself and her and her and Ben and the fact that she's getting divorced. And her big line was, I've always wanted to dance with my husband at my daughter's wedding and I won't get to do that anymore. So she did this big profile and, um, they asked her about that line because they're obviously far removed from the divorce now and they've been co-parenting for years. And she said, now I know that I don't have to worry about that. And I will dance with my daughter's father at her wedding. So confirming that Ben and Jen, which we knew are in a good place, are, co-parenting goals yeah it's adorable I, love- I miss them i miss them together they look so pretty they were such a great americana brunette couple I, I but i love those two because guys they're the ones like she's the one that he will always go back to she's the one that even if they're not in a romantic relationship she's the one that like keeps him steady whenever he's kind of like going through a rough time we always see him going back to her just to like yeah you know for support and again it's like that's really what makes a relationship great well i mean after everything they've been through with the nanny and the living room and the trying room she really is she is a saint for her being so cordial and amazing and understanding and not harboring you know all this bitterness Gwen, filler. I barely know her. The Game of Thrones has become the Game of Bones structure for Amelia Clark. Tell us why, Gwen. You know, Amelia Clark might be fearless when it comes to taming dragons, but she's a tad, quote, petrified when it comes to changing her face with injectables. Amelia Clark opened up to LUK about her outlook on all things from beauty and Botox to aging in Hollywood. And she said, I work in an industry where I've got to move my face. And I've got to be expressive and you can't light filler. You just can't light it. She's a Clinique ambassador. And she went on to say, it doesn't look right. You look shiny and strange. If my job is telling me that I need to have anything more than possibly just a bit of Botox when I'm 45 or whatever, then I'll stop doing the job. So good for her. You know, it's like she is not bowing down to pressure. She just, you know, she's gorgeous and She doesn't want to look um, unnatural. But Travis, as you and I both know. That there's a lot of stuff on the market that doesn't make you shiny, Amelia. And also with a little bit of Botox, you can still move your face. Yes, you just have to do it in, you know, specific areas and not areas. Yeah, I mean, I understand. And all the power to her. Too bad you can't tell our faces of discontent because they are frozen. All right, let's go. Uh, Chloe is DTF to mess with IVF. Chloe Kardashian has recently opened up about her desire to give two-year-old True Thompson a baby brother or sister, especially after watching her play alone during all of the isolation. 
And Tristan Thompson is on board as well. In a preview for Keeping Up with the Kardashians, the final season, Chloe is looking to give fans a look inside what her IVF process has been like. And on the show, Chloe shared that she has done IVF about three different times and frozen her eggs once already. She wanted to make embryos with Tristan, so she defrosted all of her 12 to 14 eggs to mix with sperm, but none survived. The reality star then had to do IVF again to make embryos. And she said, we realize my eggs aren't strong enough to be frozen. They should be mixed immediately with sperm to make embryos. So I actually can have kids, Chloe said. Um, I really hate watching Chloe Kardashian struggle with anything. So this has been really hard. Um, Sarah, what were your thoughts on this IVF treatment? Well, Travis, as you know, I, I will always stand Chloe. I she did betray me when she messed up her face. Um, and that and really what hurt the happened to her nose. Yes, and her nose, everything. It, it, the, the surgery and the face tune has been upsetting, but I will always be a Chloe girl. You know, I've been watching the every Kardashian episode ever marathon. I'm all in, and I know she wants to have a big family. So if that means I have to root for Chloe and Tristan, I will temporarily root for them so they can <laughs> have more kids and expand their family and pray to God that he is not doing what I assume he is doing when Chloe is not looking. I know. Tristan, third trimester Thompson, I'd be scared to have another baby a little bit. But watching friends go through IVF, I mean, with 12 to 14 eggs and none of them took, that is a real gut punch. It's horrible. 12 to 14 isn't that isn't that many. What, that like, don't take? My friends take? who do IVF, no, but it's not that many to retrieve. My, I mean, I have friends who've retrieved like 28 and then um, – Nothing, you know, it's in terms of like the eggs that are viable and then what takes. I mean, it's all very disappointing. Yes, but poor thing. At least she's young. At least she's young can get more. Turtle time? No, it's password protection time, Ramona. Wow, Bethany. Wow. Sarah Huron, tell us the hysterical thing that Ramona Singer did this week. I can't get enough. I mean, Ramona Singer, you guys love her, hate her. She's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, yes. And I, we confirmed this week she does have control of her own Instagram account because she <laughs> accidentally, quote unquote, posted a screenshot of her checking account on her Instagram story. Yes, she, for the second time. This is the second time she's done this. I, iconic, really. We see some cameo charges in there, which is obviously the app for the uh personalized messages that people can buy. So she's getting some cameo checks. There was a um, $7,000 credit. She's also getting a $7,000 check from this like influencer company. So kind of shocking Ramona doesn't make more on her sponsored posts, justice for Ramona. Um, and, you know, it was funny because she has like over three, almost 400 um, grand in her checking account. Everyone yeah. was like, okay, Ramona. Okay, turtle time. Okay, liquid assets, and you got some homes. Good for her. This was just, it was the second time that she's accidentally tweeted out her bank information. And I just, I just think that's hysterical and great because of all the pain that Ramona's put out there. It's, I think, funny to laugh at. Do you know what it's time for? Oh, I love to box. It's celebrity birthday boxing mania. Yeah. yeah. All right, today, Gwen. The first round is going to you. We have Mr. Fraser Crane, Kelsey Grammer, who is 66 this week, versus a prop comedian, Carrot Top, who is 56 this week. Well, you know, other than the fact that Kelsey Grammer would just be terrified by Carrot Top's, well, Carrot Top, and might, like, just turn around and run out of the ring screaming, I think that he would channel that horror into a TKO. So Carrot Top is going down. 
Okay, a little Fraser rage for Caratop. Goodbye. All right, the second match to you, Sarah, here on Jennifer Love Hewitt is 42 this week versus Dakota Fanning, who is 27 this oh, week. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Why not? Oh. She's, she's made a comeback with this 911 show. And Dakota Fanning, I mean, a queen herself, but let's give it to, to Jennifer Love Hewitt. Let's. The correct answer was, of course, she's a ghost whisperer and called along the ghost to take oh, over. Oh, and the Dakota client Fanning. list. She's She's been to the <gasps> client list and the ghost. You're right. She's an icon, that, that Jennifer oh. Love Hewitt. I miss when she was a high-end prostitute madam on the client list. That was really, really good times. All right, Gwen Flamberg, third round is to you. Michael Bolton is 68 this week Mm. versus Erica Badu, who is 50 this week. Michael Bolton would be too busy crooning, and Erica Badu would take him (laughs) right out. Go, Erica, be bad, Badu. I love her, the scariest witch in all of Hollywood. All right, Sarah Huron, the three-way battle is for you. Kelsey Grammer, 66. Jennifer Love Hewitt with her client list, 42. And the queen of weird stuff, Erica Badu, 50 years old. Um, wow. I love just... wins is all I'm going to say. Love wins. Come on. <laughs> say it. Say it with us. What? Love, love wins. She wants wins. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh. Love wins. <laughs> Let's let's give it to Jennifer Love Hewitt. I you know I just went through her entire IMDb through my head. I know what she did last summer. She's given us so much. She's given us so much. The girl on TV, ding ding, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Happy 42nd. You still look amazing. Thanks as even more so today for my hosts, Sarah and Gwen, for helping me sort out all of this royal mess and helping me spill all this piping hot celebrity. This is Travis Cronin on Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast with your peek into the glamour, glitter, fashion, fame of your favorite celebrities. After all, they're just like us.